I must down to the seas again, to the lonely sea and sky, and all I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by, and the wheels kick and the wind song and the white sail shaking, and a gray mist on the sea's face and a gray dawn breaking. I must down to the seas again, for the call of the running tide is a wild call and a clear call that may not be denied. And all I ask is a windy day with the white clouds flying and the blown spume and the flung spray and the seagulls crying. I must down to the seas again, to the vagrant gypsy life, to the gall's way and the whale's way where the wind's like a wetted knife. And all I ask is a merry yarn from a laughing fellow rover and quiet sleep and sweet dream when the long trick's over. Sea Fever by John Maysfield. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver lunch break where you can enjoy many topics of in sundry value. We ask that you would pay attention, or not pay attention, as the case may be. But we hope that every lunch break we can add some joy to your humdrum lives. I am Edwin the brother. Today, Megan the sister is lacking. You can tell by the lack of giggles in the background. Why then am I endeavoring to go solo? Is this my breakout album? No, it is not. The sister is not with us today because she is having some fibro health issues. Nothing to be concerned about, but at the same time, it has incapacitated her to the extent that she will not be with us today. This is apropos since May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month, and Megan is very much aware that it exists. If you it's been a while since you've checked out the shop, that Etsy shop that is, or checked out our socials, you may want to know that everything that is the color purple is 10% of that is going to fibromyalgia research and uh, is donated. Now you would ask why the color purple? I don't know, but that is the color that fibro has picked or the people suffering from fibro. I'm not entirely sure, but purple is the color. We have some cool um, and meaningful butterfly uh, pins uh, at the shop at this time, so you would want to check those out and just know that 10% of the proceeds go to a good cause. So what are we going to be talking about today? It's a good question. I don't actually know. Not 100%. I sketched a quick outline, and this is going to be a little off the cuff, a little bit extemporaneous speaking on my part. And for fear of the, the concern with that, of course, is that the quality is going to be lowered. Megan and I tend to put a fair bit of effort, her more than I do, into polishing this podcast as best we can to making it the best it can possibly be for you to not waste your time with ums, likes, and uhs. She carefully crafts it in 
the pre-writing, she edits it, she smacks me up the side of the head while we're recording, make sure I don't put in too many jokes. Um, so why record today? Why try to publish something? And in fact, this is going to be because she's the one who does the editing. This is not going to be an edited podcast. So what you hear is the raw uncut Edwin. That's right. There's, there's no going back, folks. So why struggle through this? Why hear all my searching for words and my struggle to formulate a thought? Because that's what life is. We've all been there with many different things. Something has to get done. And you might be thinking, this podcast doesn't have to be done. Some of you may be wishing that it wasn't done at all. But the fact remains that we set out to do something. We set out to record our searchings and wanderings through life. And just because this particular podcast, this episode, couldn't be as polished as we would like, doesn't mean that we can't sally forth. doesn't mean that we can't endeavor to persevere. What we're doing today is part of life, struggling through it. But that doesn't mean that I'm unhappy. Maybe this would be a really good podcast. Maybe it will strike a chord or at least a couple notes. Maybe it will be beneficial in some way. I don't know. I do know that since you set, since I set out to do something, I have to continue forward in that. It's just like going to the gym. You just make a commitment. You show up. And this is me showing up. So what are we going to talk about today? That's what we're going to talk about. The struggle and strive. And no matter how I struggle and strive, I am never going to get out of this world alive. It's an old country song. Now, you may ask, what does that have to do with your opening poem, Sea Fever by John Mayfield? That's interesting, because on the surface, it has nothing to do with it at all. What it does have to do with it is the one, it's one of the few poems that I have memorized. And what does that mean? Well, one, memorization is not the easiest thing. Memorization is... Going over something over and over again until your brain just latches onto it and can't let go. It's a struggle. It's also one of those things that once you have, it feels good. And you will find if you memorize a poem or you memorize a comedic bit act that you will be performing it at parties You'll be reciting it to yourself in the car as you're trying to stay awake on a long drive. So there was benefit to that earlier struggle. Also, I thought that with sea fever, not only is do I find it a very beautiful poem in terms of uh, some of the, uh, what is it, alliteration? Like, there, there's some sounds in there. Uh, that are almost onomatopoeia, wetted knife, uh, the the gull's cry, and the blown spume and the flung spray. That um, 
I see the poem. Once once I have something memorized, I tend to see it. So that poem, because I have memorized it, because I have struggled with it longer, is richer to me. I see it, and I hear it, and I speak it. It's almost more that I have become a part of the poem, or the poem has become a part of me. And this is the interesting thing when people go like, well, what do you like to read? And sometimes I'll dangerously say poetry. And if you want to get weird looks, you'll say you enjoy reading poetry because poetry can be a little bit of a struggle. The majority of people don't really understand it. Or what a lot of people think poetry is or think you mean by poetry is just you like some emotion that a particular poem brings up in you. And, and that's not bad. I'm, that's fine. But what I mean by when I say I like to read poetry is that I'm always rewarded by the effort I put into it. There's never been a time when I haven't gone through a poem and read it carefully over and over again where I felt like that was a waste of time. And the more I read about how to read poetry, the more I get out of poetry, the the more I see its value. And sometimes the value isn't even something you can transfer. It's not a practical value. I don't make more money at my job because I have memorized sea fever. Um, it's just... It's not monetarily or in a quantifiable way been something that I put on my resume, you know. Well, I did for six years, did some other stuff, and uh, also I've memorized Sea Fever. Along with a particularly enjoyable uh, comedic bit by John Brannion called The Trying Tale of Diminutive Swine. Um, But that's for another time. So... Those those things that I feel have really enriched my life, I can't put down in any quantifiable way. And maybe that's the point. Maybe some of life is greater than the parts added up. Maybe there are some things that go beyond the dollar, go beyond having a nicer house or a nicer vehicle. Speaking of be- nicer vehicles, just bought a vehicle. Extremely expensive endeavor. Oh, it, it, it's frightening. Never spent so much in one day. Well, that's not true. But it it was it was um, trials and tribulations. Talk about struggling through life. When one vehicle dies, you know you can't. You gotta pay the piper and buy a new vehicle. Oh well, that's life. So. Also, when I tell people I like to read poetry, they they get a false sense that I've read a lot of poetry and really know what I'm talking about, which is not the fact of the matter at all. I've listened to some poems on tape, and I like to do that while I work, and I like to read poems occasionally and obviously memorize some, but my ability to dissect a poem and tell you the meter and what's actually the point of the poem is 
it's it's very lacking. If I had to write an essay about a poem and make it interesting, I'd fall short of anybody's standards. So, why do I read poetry? I think it goes back to those ethereal things that I was talking about. It brings you joy and comfort. It expands your mind in ways that are difficult to put into words. I wish I had done a little bit more study. There's um, a couple lines by Eliot. Um, to paraphrase, it's always one is always fighting with words to to make the meaning come across. And then once you have, it's no longer useful because you no longer want to say that thing. And uh, that's also a constant struggle. I'll have to dig that up. And maybe the next time I'm given free range of this podcast, I can delve deeply into some of Elliot's stuff. That would be fun. So enough about poetry. I think that I have sufficiently... Well, not enough about poetry. I, I think... I have whetted your appetite on Sea Fever and why you should read that and why you should read poetry. I'd like to say also that, as a little nota bene here, the way I came across Sea Fever was in the Dangerous Book for Boys, the uh, 2006 edition, which is the same year that Ryan Ryan Howard won the most valuable player award for the Phillies. So, I mean, it's a very important addition. Um, Anyways, Dangerous Book for Boys by Gon Ignolden. I should have checked these authors' names because I can't pronounce them. And Hell Ignolden. Anyways, Dangerous Book for Boys. It made quite a splash back when it was first printed. I don't know if it's still a big deal, but um, it's a fantastic book. It's got... Really, everything a boy needs in a book. How to build things, why things work, the types of clouds there are, you know, the Columbus and the Sirius and all those kind of things. So it has everything a boy needs to start learning how to be a man, which happens much earlier than some people think. So in it is a... is an assortment, an anthology of poems. And one of them was Sea Fever. And I would just read it over and over again. I guess I didn't move past Sea Fever, did I? Anyways, the cool thing is I started to memorize it. And I was a lifeguard. And I had the Monday night, late night shift that went till 9.30. And it was dull. So dull. Maybe one swimmer, the competent swimmer, no no danger that they were going to drown ever. Probably swam better than I could. Just lap after lap, you know, they just did a splash, splash, splash. Flip turn, go down the, you know, 50 yards. I mean, 25 yards, 25 yards, 25 yards. One person in the whole pool, and it's 9.15, you know. They do a couple more laps. You think about life a little bit. How you don't have a girlfriend. Never work. I am going to have a girlfriend. Life is miserable. Typical teenage angst. And it is 9, 15, and 30 seconds. It was, it was horrible. So what I started to do was just try to 
recite the poetry to myself. And at the same time, I would also practice holding my breath. So I could, you know, recite sea fever mentally three times over before needing a new breath of air. So that's how I stayed awake on those late night Monday night shifts. What can I say? I was an am and not duck. Anyways, dangerous book for boys. Check that out. You don't need to be an actual boy to get something out of that book, but definitely if you have boys, get it for them. If you have nephews, get it for them. They'll enjoy it. We're going to move on a little bit to another poem, which is part of a bigger poem, which is part of the foundations of the English language, and that is a Shakespeare play, Much Ado About Nothing. It is Shakespeare's play that I know the best and have watched the most and read the most, listened to the most. And in it is a poem that we have made reference to on this podcast before. So I thought it'd be nice to, to clue you into what we have been talking about sometimes when we make mention to man is a giddy thing. So here it is. Um, it's from Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare. The song, as it is called. And I'll give this a go. Sigh no more, ladies. Sigh no more. Men were deceivers at her. One foot in sea and one on shore. To one thing, constant never. Then sigh not so, but let them go. And be you blithe and bonny, converting all your sounds of woe into hey, nonny, nonny. Sing no more ditties, sing no more of dumps so dull and heavy. The fraud of men was ever so, since summer first was leafy, then sigh not so. And this is my conclusion, that man is a giddy thing. We oftentimes in life need something more than just the daily grind, than just a Saturday night out drinking. We need something richer and deeper. Forget who it was who said that there's a God-shaped hole in every man's heart. When we struggle, struggle towards the work of Jesus Christ, when we look to Him and answer in obedience to His call, that is the something more that we are all looking for. And is it conceded to say that poetry is part of that struggle? I don't think so. I think God gave us words. Words to give man joy and hope. Of course, the truest form of those words were in the gospel, in the Psalms. But also, 
in just everyday life, when we say a phrase out of kindness and joy and hope, we raise other people from one plateau to another. We know that words have power. And I think that is what poetry really points out, is that words have power. Through words, not only was the world created, but we live our lives out of words. The words that are in our heads and the words that are in our hearts. Speak the words of truth. And I'll leave you with that. I hope that there was something in this podcast that was beneficial. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this recording of Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break. Please check out our socials. Please check out our Etsy page. And we hope that you will all have a wonderful time. And join us back here next lunch break. Thank you.